Welcome back to Throwing Hands, episode 100. This is great. I didn't expect to get past 25, but because of 100, we had to get a special guest on, Breck Walters. Breck, how you doing? Doing good, uh, Jacob. Doing good. And Daniel, how's it feel to get to 100? <laughs> this is this is wild because it was, I think, February when we first uh, we first started this show up. Uh, Within weeks, we were talking about uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. We were talking about what I still think is the greatest women's fight of all time uh, with with uh, Zhang Wei Li, and it, it's just it's it's kind of crazy to be here. Uh, the UFC running so many shows during COVID kind of uh, kind of helped us helped us inflate our numbers a little bit, but <laughs> here we are, a hundred episodes. Happy to be here. Happy to keep things going. Yeah, and shout out to the people who got us here, danced up, Ed Cap, all the fighters that come on the show. You definitely helped us grow. Thank you. But we got to hop right into this. Uh, we're reviewing the main card here: Punhele Soriano versus Dusko Todorovic. I had Dusko winning this fight, but Soriano, after a year layoff, coming back, hit him hard, knocked him out. Breck, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, credit to Dushko, man. He took like five shots before getting finally finished. Uh, it was kind of amazing how he kept his hands down. And you're like, you're just going to get knocked out here, man. And he just kept walking forward with his hands down. I, I, find it, I found it uh, really surprising. What about you, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I would have to agree. Todorovic uh, showed a lot of chin here, but Soriano was just, I mean, throwing bombs at him. And it was relatively even in the in the total strikes landed and the significant strikes landed. Uh, but Soriano just had so much more going after him. And like Breck said, uh, the chin on Todorovic was, was really strong. It got him almost to the end of the first round. But uh, that was this was a really impressive performance for Soriano. We weren't sure what we were going to get out of him with a year layoff, but uh, he looked really good. And, and don't count Dushko out because he's he's really talented as well. For sure, uh, and I think what Breck said he sh- uh, you or Breck said this uh, he showed a lot of chin, literally and figuratively. He was kind of sticking his head out there a lot. And with against Soriano, you don't want to do that. All right, uh, for Soriano, I think. Uh, he he found his, his, himself a top 15 opponent. I think he's that good. I think he deserves a little bit of a step up. And Dusko, um, not necessarily a step up, but he's still a very bright prospect, and I think they'll give him something pretty bright. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Storiano obviously gets the better matchup coming out of this. Both of these guys were undefeated coming in, and I think both of them have a really bright future in this division. Uh, so, like you said, Soriano may be getting into that top 15 mix. Maybe they want to test him one more time before that. Uh, Todorovic, probably going to give him something to get back on track. Not exactly sure who that would be, but uh, he's he's 10-1. and one. This guy's not going anywhere. What about you, Breck? Um, yeah, I agree with Dan. I think uh, Dushko will definitely get an easier opponent. And um, Soriano should definitely get a guy that's ranked between, you know, like 10 and 15. You don't want to give him a killer, you know, right away. But... Uh, 
someone in that like 10 or 9 to 15 range would be a good fight for him. Completely agree. All right. To the next fight of the evening, Joaquin Buckley versus Alessio DeCurico. Alessio DeCurico outclassed Buckley uh, throughout the whole fight until he knocked him out. And some, I was talking to somebody else, and he, th- he said someone said Buckley was given a bum. I'm like, DeCurico's not a bum. He has more experience than Buckley. And DeCurico was probably playing for his con- uh, fighting for his contract here, literally and figuratively. So I think he uh, avoided himself getting cut. Uh, what were your thoughts on this, Daniel? I, I completely agree with you. We talked about that on the preview that uh, DeCurico was not in good shape, I would say, when it comes to a future contract coming into this one. Had lost three in a row and, and needed to show something against Buckley, and he certainly did. A two-minute first-round knockout where he didn't take hardly any damage. I think the most impressive thing to me is he just uh, – he kept Buckley swinging at air. Buckley landed three strikes at a 22 throne. Uh, so – uh, this was uh, honestly a really impressive performance. Uh, again, I don't d- think DeKirico is is anything as far as a contender going forward, but uh, you're talking about a guy that came in fighting for his job and he got it, he got it done against somebody that has a really big opportunity in Joaquin Buckley, even coming off this loss, to, to make a lot of noise in, in the UFC in the next couple of years. Yeah, Bracken, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was a vicious head kick. It reminded me of uh, Bigfoot Silva versus uh, Mirko Krokop. I don't know if you guys have seen that one where he just like folded him. And it was, uh, I was pretty surprised. But then afterwards, I saw a lot on uh, Twitter and stuff about Joaquin Buckley, like advanced fighter statistics. And he actually gets hit a lot. So it really shouldn't have been that surprising. I think his uh, previous KO just made us think he was a better fighter. But um, I want to know what you guys thought of DeKirico's, you know, post uh, fight. Uh, we, we can only talk, we have to talk to two fighters instead of one. Like the guy just got knocked out. What do you, you know? What do you expect him to say? Uh, yeah, I have to agree with you on that, Breck. Like, when DC got knocked out by John Jones the in the second fight, he shouldn't have been interviewed. <laughs> he, he didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts? What, what were your thoughts on this comments, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with you guys. I, I mean, if you if you take guys uh, that have that have gone out there and gone through a war and it was a relatively even fight, yeah, that, that's that's fine, but. Uh, like Breck said, you just saw Joaquin Buckley get folded, and I don't think you want him out there in front of uh, in front of national television because he probably doesn't know where he is entirely and probably doesn't really know what he's saying. Yeah, definitely. All right, for so what's next with these guys, uh, Breck? What do you think is next with these guys? Um, I think, like you guys said, DeKirico probably saved himself from being cut. Maybe not though, because I don't know if you guys saw Dana White's post presser where he was like tried to congratulate Takiriko and they, they were like, they were like upset with Dana White for some reason. It seemed a little odd. So I don't know if he survives, but I think Buckley just has to uh, get back in the gym and work on his defense. Cause he's obviously talented offensively, but he just gets hit. So he gets hit a lot. Yeah. He, he plays defense. I'd say, uh, yeah, I have to agree with you there, Breck. I think walking Buckley needs to get back in the gym, just work on some defense. Uh, and you know, maybe get somebody in like 2025 range. Uh, but uh, let's see to Kiriko. I think he'll become more of a gatekeeper for this division in a sense to test new prospects coming up. Daniel, what do you think is actually these guys? Yeah, you guys, you guys covered it pretty much. Buckley's got a long way to go. Uh, he, his offense is ridiculous, but uh, he gets absolutely destroyed when somebody comes at him, and that's exactly what DeKirico did. He's got to be able to to handle these aggressive fighters a lot better. 
I think he's going to learn from this one. And, and DeKirico is going to be a solid test for some younger guys. He, he obviously proved that on Saturday. For sure. All right. To the next bout of the evening, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus G, uh, Li Jingliang. Uh, surprising Ponzinibbio, ring rust. He's been out for a while, but he came back. But I think he proved that ring rust is no oh, shoot is sort of a real thing. And when we get to Li Jingliang, I think he's finally deserved a top fifteen opponent in the sense that a he's not on the outside looking any in, in anymore. He's right in the thick of the top fifteen. What were your thoughts on this one, Daniel? Yeah, you hit it right there. Uh, Ponzinibbio, uh, a crazy story coming back, staph infection, uh, missed a ridiculous amount of time, and, and it's an amazing thing he's even back in the octagon. And it, it wasn't the start he was looking for. Uh, Jiang Liang went, went after him, finished this in the first round. I, I know you texted me, I think it was after this fight, uh, that, that this card might be over by 5.30 and it had started at 3.00. Uh, and I, I agreed with you at that time because this was the third first-round knockout in as many fights. And, uh, yeah, uh, Jiang Liang looks good. He looks legitimate. Uh, he, has, he has come out and said uh, in his, in his post-fight that uh, 2021 is going to be the year of the – or it is the year of the Ox on the Chinese calendar, and he's going to bring, quote, strong bull energy into 2021. So, I mean, he's motivated coming off of this one. I, I thought he looked really good. And, again, uh, no, no sweat to Ponzinibbio. It's amazing he's even back out there. For sure. And, Breck, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, like Dan said, uh, credit to Ponzinibbio. He had, like, a bone infection in his leg where, uh, you know, the surgery complications from the surgery. So just him being out there was impressive. But, uh, you know, like you guys said, ring rust is real, and he got caught by a vicious left hook. So, uh, but I think for me personally, what's next for these guys? Li Jingliang, top 15 opponent. I think he definitely deserves it. Um, or, heck, if maybe put uh, Soriano against him. That'd be a fun fight. But if, when we talk about Ponzinibbio, it's, it's tough to see because he's, uh, he's not the same fighter that he was two, three years ago. And he, he probably will never be the same because he's, he's a little older. Um, and he, he's not going to get any better, I don't think. So, Breck, what do you think is next for these guys? Yeah, like you said, uh, Ponzinibbio is just trying to fight somebody, you know, that's not a killer, like I said before, and just try to get a win back, you know, a, uh, back in the win column. And uh, like Dan said, uh, Jinglei, I can't say his name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's his name? He should uh, fight a ranked opponent. And, Daniel, what do you think? Yeah, that, that's that's right on the head. Leaser in that opportunity, and and Ponzinibbio, I think is good enough to stick around. And and if he can get a win back in his next one, he could he could keep it going for a little while. For sure. All right, to the come main event of the evening, the 2013 title eliminator. See who will fight George St. Pierre next. You got Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown, two old guys going at it. And I I said with another p- preview that these guys are going to be like a Walmart version of what they would have been in 2013. Not exactly the same, but it's kind of the same. But these guys put on a show, and I really enjoyed what they did. Carlos Condit taking Matt Brad Brown down uh, with a one of the fancier knock. Uh, takedowns i've ever seen what were your thoughts on this one breck yeah that was a uh, crazy takedown sweep the leg um i was surprised matt brown went to such heavy wrestling and it really cost him in the fight because he re- uh, i don't know about you guys but he won the first round for me mm-hmm. and then he just kept going back to the wrestling i know condit was uh piecing him up on the feet but you know it just drained all of his energy and you could see in that third round he had nothing to give he gave it all and uh i think condit with the win might have uh, saved himself from being cut 
All right, Daniel, what do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to echo a lot of what Breck said. It was a really good start for Brown. Uh, Condit, uh, as as is usual for these two guys, uh, a lot more volume. But uh, Brown going so wrestling heavy, uh, like I, like he said, I think uh, ended up biting him in the end. And, and Condit proved he can still go. He's the younger of these two guys, but uh, had not been in really good shape in recent fights. But uh, here we go. Uh, Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, 36 and 40, uh, respectively. Uh, these these guys prove something. These guys prove that they still have a place, which uh, I, I think is really interesting. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Daniel. What's next for these guys? I don't know about Matt Brown necessarily. He's he's in an interesting situation, but I think Ponzinibbio versus now thinking about Ponzinibbio versus Carlos Condit. I think that's a great fight to make. And heck, they were talking about giving Carlos Condit a top fifteen guy, which I could see too. But hell, Ponzinibbio versus Condit, I'm in on it. What do you think, Breck? Um. I don't know who said it on the broadcast, but I think Condit versus Vicente Luque would be a good fight. Um, I like if if Nick Diaz is really coming back, that would be a fun fight. Condit, Nick Diaz, it'd be a little throwback. And then maybe maybe uh, maybe Dan Hardy, he's been uh, tweeting that he might be coming back. So one of those guys would be a fun fight for Condit. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, uh, Condit, it's interesting. Uh, with as much as he's fought and the high level that he's fought at, I, I, I kind of see him moving a little bit more into what I like to refer to as the seniors division of the UFC, where you see a lot of those you know, early 2010s, mid-2000s guys uh, either having their like end-of-career dream matches or rematches from, from 10 years ago. And I think uh, that's probably the role we see Condit move more to uh, in, in the later years of his career. I completely agree with you there, my man. All right, to the main event of the evening, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. I have been dying to talk about this with you guys. Max Holloway putting on, I, in my opinion, I don't think it really should be opinion. I think it's fact. The greatest octagon performance any of us have ever seen. Uh, landing the most significant strikes, landing mo- most total strikes, landing most head strikes, landing the most significant body strikes, significant head strikes. He, he broke pretty much every record there is in striking. And Calvin Cater has a chin of iron. I've never seen anything like it. What were your thoughts on this one, Daniel? Calvin Cater should be dead. Like, <laughs> like that man should not be walking today. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be completely upfront that I came in to the preview of this, of this card saying that this was the night that Calvin Cater was going to start his campaign for Fighter of the Year 2021. And I was proven to be horribly wrong. And when you get a performance like that out of Max Holloway, that like you said, is one of, if not the single best striking performances of all time, I am happy to be wrong because that was an absolute masterclass that we got to watch on Saturday. And I mean, the way it's going now, it seems like Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky are going to fight for the featherweight title about 19 times. Uh, but this was this was a new level of Max Holloway from anything we've ever seen before, and I I I loved watching it. And honestly, we we can talk about this as as time goes on and this contract goes a little bit more. Having this on ABC, pretty pretty nice move by the UFC to to have their first card on basic cable, and in this kind of fashion where you've got a charismatic guy like Max Holloway putting on the best performance of his career. Yeah, I mean, some someone made a good point. You know, I feel bad for all the little kids who came across this through the channels. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Breck, what were your thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, like Dan said, like the first 
uh, cable car on ABC, you know, you, you look back, they, they play lots of promos of, you know, the old boxing with Ali on ABC. And it's like a fight, like this fight delivered on so many levels for the UFC. And it's like, they're going to go, they're going to keep going back to ABC. And we could maybe in the future, see it on more networks. Like I know, um, I'm not sure. Was it ever on Fox, like five? Like, was it on the main channel Fox ever? Um, I don't know. Like, are you talking like network television? Yeah, I know it was on like Fox Sports and you could stream fights when they had that Fox deal. But I'm not sure if, uh, uh, you know, they had something like this. And just to, to go to the fight, um, <laughs> who needs to spar anymore? You know, it's like. Max Holloway talked about not sparring in the last two fights and he looked better than ever. And I mean, the coldest moment, maybe like it's top three for me in UFC history is, you know, the, I'm the best boxer in the UFC while he's dodging punches. I, I thought of Anderson Silva versus Chris Wyman where he's backing up and Wyman catches him. I was so worried in that moment of Holloway having the same thing because he was such, so, so ahead on the scorecards. I was like, don't get caught by a punch here. Don't get caught by a punch here. And he didn't. And it was just, uh, uh, credit to uh cater for like dan said just having an iron chin yeah i, I th- yeah that was probably one of the coolest things i've ever seen regarding sports in general all right so what's next for cater um i say give him zombie i think that's a good fight to make um but someone's saying give him something lower but i don't think he's too good for something lower than he already is but i think you and I, you guys and i can both agree he will never be the same fighter after this fight no. and uh, that's sad because he's, he's he's probably my favorite fighter. What do you think is next for them, Breck? Like you said, Zombie makes sense. Uh, maybe a Zabit rematch because he was walking Zabit down in that fight um, previously, or maybe Yair. We don't really know what's going on with Yair. Yair. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, two or three opponents where Cater, you know, can if he gets a win in his next fight, would be right back up there in that top five position. As far for Hollis, like you guys said, though, he, I mean, how could he not deserve the winner of Ortega Volkanovsky? And it would be great if Ortega won that fight because, you know, Max Ortega won was so great. The rematch would probably be even better because Ortega looks so good against uh, Korean Zombie. But uh, this division is really, uh, really good. What do you think, Daniel? What's, what do you think is next for these guys? Yeah, there's plenty of options for Cater. Um, like Breck said, like you said, Korean Zombie, uh, a ton of sense there. Um, again, Yair's kind of kind of in the wind right now. I would love his Zabit rematch. I, I love watching both of those guys. And then uh, for Max, he, he's waiting for Ortega Volkanovski, and I think he's going to pose as big a challenge to whoever wins that as, whoever, as anyone they've ever faced. For sure. Uh, I just want to ask you guys a question. Do you think Herb Dean should have stopped the fight when Zach, uh, when Max Holloway had him up against the fence? Because I was kind of on the board on that one. I can understand him stopping it, and I can also understand him not stopping it. What do you think, Breck? Um, there was that one moment on the fence where it looked like Cater, you know, he's really wobbling, just throwing haymakers where you definitely could have stopped it. But I like that he let him keep going and. Even Cater after the fight said you have to kill him to stop him. So I didn't have much of a problem as uh, a lot of people did uh, with the non-stoppage. I'm amazed. What do you think, Daniel? Um, I think this was a was a really good case of Herb Dean knowing who was in the octagon at that point and and realizing that uh, for better or for worse that with with Calvin Cater and his chin and the power that he carries. 
as long as he is conscious and on his feet, he has a chance to defend himself and he has a chance to turn the tide. So is it the best idea to, to make refereeing decisions based on specific fighters? Probably not. But with, with Calvin Cater in there, uh, I think a lot of times he's he's a special case as compared to someone else that you would put in the octagon. And, and Herb Dean gave him every chance. His corner gave him every chance. And, and Max Holloway just kept the pressure up. I mean, Cater landed a lot of big shots in those yeah. fifth rounds. I mean, I was amazed at some of the shots Max was taking in the fifth round. So, I mean, it's hard to argue that it should have been stopped. For sure. And I think the problem with Cater the whole fight was he wasn't striking first. And whenever he did strike first, which was every once in a while, he was connecting. So I'd be down for a rematch sometime in the future. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. All right. And and, and it's worth noting that uh, Cater could be down for six months because of the broken nose. He has It's 180-day suspension or medical clearance. So uh, he's, he's going to be on the shelf for at least a little while here. Definitely. All right. To news and opinions. Um, we didn't talk about this on the last podcast, but this happened about a week ago. John Jones claims he's 250 pounds. Breck, what do you have to make of that? Um, I mean, I believe him. The photos he posted, he looks pretty, pretty yoked. But um, <laughs> I just I don't like do you guys actually believe John Jones is moving up. I still have this like thing where I think Adesanya Jones could still happen if they offered Jones, you know, $10 million or something along those lines. I, 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 I think he's too big now, honestly. I don't think he can drop down. Uh, that's, that's, that's a solid point. Uh, honestly, with Jones, we talked about this a little bit on the last pod, just talking about, like, how big he's gotten. Uh, you, look at, you look at his family and you look at his, his brother Chandler, the place for the, for the Arizona Cardinals, he's – Six five, two hundred and sixty five pounds, and he's one of the most athletic guys in the NFL. And if I mean, if those genetics carry over with with John Jones, he's not going to miss a step moving up. So, him in heavyweight, it's it's going to be really entertaining if he ever does it. But I, I agree, if he could ever get down to two hundred five for that Adesanya fight, I think he'd do it as soon as possible. Yeah, but I, you can go, Breck. Oh, sorry. Um, it's just like, who do you guys think he fights in the heavyweight division? Because, like, Stipe and Ganu's happening, and it's like there's nobody else that intrigues me besides those two for John to fight. And it's I like, mean, is he really going to fight a Curtis Blades? Like, do people really want to see him, like, ragdoll Curtis Blades? I think they're going to wait till July, J- July or August to make the championship fight when he comes back. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's the only thing that should happen because John Jones <laughs> it is should – there are very few people who deserve a title shot. Like I don't think Izzy deserved the title shot at 205 personally, but when it comes to John, cause I, Izzy didn't really clean out the division, but I feel like John Jones who cleaned out the division for eight yeah. years, nine, 10, eight, nine, 10 years. He deserves a title shot immediately. Yeah, I agree. And it's, um, it's interesting to see. Uh, it's just like, also if Stipe and Ganu is this, sort of war we might have to wait till like the very end of 2021 to see jones versus the winner because it's like stipe after that first and fight took a long time off before he fought dc the first time and you could argue that dc knocked him out because of the even maybe stipe came back too early and uh it's just interesting to see we might not see john jones fight till like the very end of the year yeah that's true um to news um Holloway is is now recommending that fighters stop sparring. Um, 
I don't blame him. <laughs> he, he put on a masterclass about doing it. Um, do you guys have any news you want to share? Any thoughts, opinions? Nothing, yeah. nothing huge. Yeah, I, back? Got, I mean, uh, you guys see McGregor arrive at a, oh, in yeah. the yacht, <laughs> in the yacht, baby. W shirtless, shirtless with his kid. I, I cannot wait for next week. It's going to be so fun. Oh, speaking of that, I, I did want to mention this, and I didn't know if it would if it would go into news or just be something to throw in at the yeah, end. Whatever. I was uh, I was watching something on YouTube earlier, and there's a YouTube ad. Um, it was a like a sea shanty about UFC 257 for on ESPN Plus. It was amazing. I'll have to look that up. Oh, it was the best thing I've ever seen. It was speak- the it's the it's the best ad I've ever seen on YouTube. Speaking of ads, promos, whatever it is, do, don't you think the promo to Holloway Cater was a big f u to Cater? Like they kind of had Max this uncrowned champion in the promo. Uh, that's how I looked at it. What about like an fu to Volkanovski too? Like yeah, really. Yeah, I'm the uncrowned champ. Like Volkanovski had to be hot watching that. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I beat him twice, and you're cutting a promo saying like he beat me. What? Like yeah, that's that, that's what my thought was. I was like, this isn't really appropriate for the moment. <laughs> Like, Volkanovski won both fights, in my opinion, at least. I don't know what, what you thought about the second one. It was close. It could have gone out of the way, in my it's opinion. close. I think the takedowns yeah. gave him the edge. For sure. All right. If you guys don't have anything, I'm going to wrap it up. Anything else? I'm good. What do you guys think of the non-news of Khabib? That was the most ridiculous thing. Like, we oh. were it was going to happen at three, that Dana was going to come out, that he comes out after the first fight, and basically tells us nothing. <laughs> yep. He's like, Habib's going to see uh, what happens with this fight. If if somebody shows him something, he will consider returning. I'm like, that's Khabib? not news. That's not news. It, what is something amazing that would bring Khabib back? Can anybody figure out what's like like, like a five-second knockout? Like, like Honestly, honestly, the more I think about it, he's, he's waiting for Connor to win and call him out. Yeah, probably. In my opinion. He's waiting for Connor to win and call him out. And then he'll fight him again. I think he'll fight him again too. I, there's too much money involved on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a load of money that I don't I, I don't think anybody would take up. Hell, I wouldn't take that up. And I I'm I'm willing to risk brain damage for that. But anyway, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Breck, I want to thank you for coming on, man. We're gonna get you on some some more because I enjoyed that. We enjoyed that. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I uh I only have like one out of my friends here in New York. I have like one UFC friend, so it's good to talk some UFC. All right, we'll get you on some more podcasts. And Daniel, we made it to 100. We did it. Yes, sir. We're here. Yes, sir. All right, we'll see you guys for a preview of UFC 257, Poirier versus McGregor.